Jisuav Beksinski, the podcast. Part 5. In His Own Words. Beksinski by Beksinski. Beksinski's art and his legacy have been a subject of many diverse opinions and controversies. During his lifetime, Beksinski paid little attention to changes in styles and directions of contemporary art. He has never had any intention of becoming a favorite of the critics, preferring to remain faithful to his dreams and obsessions. In this final episode of our podcast, we would like to give Master Beksinski a chance to respond to his critics and admirers in his own words on how his art should be perceived. I prefer to be judged from the point of view of psychology or even psychiatry rather than of his lordship's art spelled with a capital A about his life with an obsessive compulsive disorder which he suffered since his youth. My life is dominated by neurotic diarrhea, and that's it. Hence my reluctance to travel, and that's whether the journey concerns deportation to Siberia or yacht trips around the world. Everything that separates me from the base, which is a house or apartment that I own, exposes me to a specific conditioned nervous tension. I refuse to travel, which they do not understand, because every pole wants to travel and have a car and thinks that everyone must have the same. And I just want to tinker. And I have a eudemonistic point of view. And I used to do what I like and not what I need. For Bixinski, the painting turned into a surrogate tool for the fixing of dreams, endowing them with permanence. In his manifesto, he proclaimed, I want to paint as if I were photographing my dreams. That looks like true reality, but with a vast amount of fantastic details. Perhaps other people's imagination and dreams work in some other way. With me, they're always images, usually naturalistic ones, as far as light, shadow, and perspective are concerned. On the motif of a human head in his paintings. I simply like painting heads, but I can't explain why. The head offers a marvelous opportunity for improvisation. I love improvising, constructing, reconstructing, and I really love variations. This technique occurs in music, so I think it's viable in painting as well, to make variations generally legible to someone who's not into the technique of painting itself. The theme of the variations must be generally recognizable. The head is just such a theme. Even a head with 30 eyes and five noses is still a head, and everybody will see it that way. But if I started to make variations on a less well-known thing, for instance, a printer or a computer processor, everyone would be lost. On biblical references in his art, what are the real words of Psalm 23, the one that begins, the Lord is my shepherd? In Polish, it has the phrase, even though I walk through the dark valley, which makes a tremendous impression on me. But in English, it's 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And in Czech, it's the valley of death. You may conclude that in Polish, darkness itself is a synonym of death. On the reoccurring symbol of the cross in his art, I never intended to offend anyone or hurt anyone's religious feelings. The crosses in my work are not a confession of faith either. I've never wanted to profane anything. If I know something has hurt someone, I ask for it to be removed. I certainly didn't want to offend Christians. I had no such need. However, as regards to a confession of faith, it's hard to tell whether I'm a believer because it's very hard to ascertain just exactly what faith is. At any rate, I'm not religious. I'm very far from religion on the other side of the world. I can't deny that I was brought up in the Christian spirit. There are elements of Christianity everywhere, in every graveyard, virtually on every street corner. It would be hard to eliminate them from my picture. The cross has had a very strong effect on me, though it would be hard to say whether it's been a directly Christian impact or the influence of a sign which I subconsciously acquired in early childhood and evokes matters which I've got at the tip of my tongue but can't put into words. That's it. In response to the critics accusing him of cruelty in his art, the inflicting of suffering often comes hand in hand with the accusation of cruelty. It's a completely unfounded charge against me. I'm absolutely disgusted by such works if they're realistic in character, and even more, if they have a historical reference. I'll walk out of a cinema if what's showing is a drastic war film. People who accuse me of such things can't tell the difference between an artist expressing his psychological state or spiritual sense of threat in a picture and a strictly realistic description of the macabre, which I've never done and I'm not doing now. Another era of judgment is reading cruelty into something that is evidently satirical. These are the accusations concerning skin flaking off figures that look as if they came from women's fashion magazines. The people who bring these charges would probably prefer to keep the painting version of the fashion or glamour photo well clear of bodies burned with napalm, as they've been conditioned by pop art. Then everything would be within the bounds of the most primitive stereotypes of TV perception. About the connection of his visual art with the music. I've already written that in my painting, over the past 20 years, I've liked to resort to a way of thinking similar to variations in music. To make variations, you have to have a theme, either a very simple theme at the beginning, one that everyone will memorize immediately, like, for instance, in Elgar's Enigma Variations, or one that's widely known, as the waltz in Beethoven's Diabelli Variations was once, or nowadays the third part of Mahler's Second Symphony in Berio's Variations. It's similar to jazz, as a rule, improvisations are done on the basis of well-known standards. If the variations have an obscure theme, then hardly anyone, apart from a few professionals, will be able to keep up with the variations and go astray right at the beginning. So for me, the theme of a picture is, on the one hand, its idea, and the idea of what it presents has developed over the centuries, and on the other hand, the most general overview of things. Thus, on the one hand, it'll be a crucifixion, a portrait, a nude, or a landscape, 
And on the other hand, a face, a figure, a cloud, a tree, etc. I compose the theme conventionally, but I give it my individual form, which is to help recipients not to lose the theme and follow the form if they can. As regards to the overview of things, I try not to lose shape in the variations. I do modify the shape a bit, shifting it away from reality, but not so much as to break it off from its generally accepted overview. When I paint while listening to pop music, I make movements with my torso, which hinders my work, seemingly senseless. Nevertheless, turning off the sound system creates a feeling of a lack of something, without which you cannot work. That's why it does not matter what I paint. What's important is what I cannot express in words, but I hope I can express it in some of the best paintings. Some kind of indeterminate but existing exaltation, which is most strongly present in post-Wagner music. About depictions of sculpture in his paintings. I gave up sculpture, not because I wanted to, but because life forced me to do that. For there was no chance to set up a sculptor's studio, which is extremely messy. Not to mention the fact that sculptures are large and heavy, and you need a place to store them. There's no room for that in communal block buildings. Sculpting calls for a certain amount of physical stamina. On a few occasions, I really wanted to do that. But perhaps these pictures are, as they were, an attempt to stand in for sculpture. I can't rule that out. I don't see that division into styles as distinctly as an outsider might. It would be like trying to look at one's ear without using a mirror. About his computer-generated art. The computer offers you scores of possibilities. With it, you can transform anything many times over. For instance, these obelisks have been constructed using my ears. My ears are all over the place here. These are my wife's hands, only the colors have been transformed. Here's part of Warsaw, but different from what it is in reality. There's a gravestone, the head of my cousin, but split in half and then transformed. You can transform anything an indefinite number of times. On the perception of his art by others, Usually, I meet with semantic reception, on the basis of the objects in the picture. From my point of view, there's no way more wrong as regards to my work. Semantic, semiotic analysis is as silly as a schoolboy's essay on a great work of literature. It doesn't matter what appears on the surface. The important things are what is hidden. Put it another way. What matters is what appears in your soul, not what your eyes see and what you can name. I bear a certain grudge. Whenever elements of the obviously grotesque or persiflage appeared in my pictures, it was all taken seriously and criticized for flaunting horror. So many of my pictures are definitely satirical. I never ask myself what it means, either with respect to my own or other people's pictures. For me, meaning is absolutely meaningless, worth as much as the taste of chocolate in a literary description on what's real, and is anything at all real. I think, therefore, I am not. I do not exist. I am a product of thought. It's not thought that is generated in me. It's thought that creates me. 
and gives rise to the illusion of existence. I want to paint as if I were photographing my dreams. That looks like true Wszystkie opinie na temat tego, jakobym malował sny, to się biorą chyba właśnie od dziennikarzy, bo ja naprawdę w życiu raz jakiś jeden sen próbowałem namalować, to znaczy fragment jakiegoś snu, jakiś obraz ze snu gdzieś jeszcze we wczesnym młodości i, i, i po prostu nigdy się nie posługuje. This episode which is part of a five-part podcast series, was produced and edited by Cezary Lersky and Diginet. The text is based on Wiesław Banach's essay, used with permission, from the Historical Museum in Sanok, Poland, and Bosch Publishing House. Text read by Phil Shane. All music was composed and edited by Andrea Centazzo. All rights reserved. For more, please visit www.beksinski.gallery. Albums with Beksinski's art and reproductions of his paintings are also available at Amazon.com. <laughs>